Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for being here today. I am recording this snippet at the beginning of the podcast to say that I recorded and released this episode to discover that there is a lot of mm, white noise sound on this recording, and I'm not okay with that, but I am leaving it for this episode because when I recorded this story, I see it as a transmission. The information was coming through the story. The sacred information was coming through in the way that wanted to come through on that day and time. And so I am going to leave it next week. I'll go back to recording um, on my regular computer mic situation. And thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to spend your time listening to this podcast. I know your time is so valuable. And um, I I trust that if you are here listening to this and choose to listen, um, even though the sound quality is more Uh, poor than usual, um, that there is something in this for you and that, you know, you're, we're syncing up for a reason. So, so much love. Thank you for being here. And I hope this story share serves. Hello, beloved community. Oh my gosh. It is so good to be with you. How are you? (sighs) It's a Thursday afternoon and I am sitting here with a cup of tea in quiet after an amazing podcast interview that where I was interviewed um, with Nick Walker this morning. His podcast is called Soul Food for Thought. I really recommend checking it out. It's I've really enjoyed the episodes that I've listened to and I really enjoyed the conversation this morning. So that will be out in just a week or two um, and you can follow that podcast and I'll be sure to get it to you on this podcast as well. But I am so grateful for today (laughs) and, and these opportunities to dive deep today. And I've really been wanting to bring you a podcast episode, but life has been really full. I think there's been a lot of alchemy happening, what was going on with the eclipse season, uh, things that I said yes to this year, you know, every time I say yes to starting a new program, like fall in love with the king, there are just activations and initiations that I need to live through um, in order to bring that program forward. And so this past weekend was, um, it felt like a culmination of a a soul integration piece for me. And so what I'd like to do today in this episode is share a soul story, really share a soul story. And I'll get to that in a few moments. Um, You know, my students, when I worked at the last school that I worked at, they had a hashtag when I started to tell stories, they would say hashtag story time with Sarah, because I would just kind of segue into some stories. So um, sometimes I interview and sometimes I tell a story. And I did tell a lot of stories when the Heartland uh, Codex was coming in and, um, and I was sharing those processes with you. And in some ways, this is definitely connected to that because 
yeah, because this has to do with creation and, um, and the heartland has to do with creation codes and prosperity. And so it's all connected. It's all connected, but I did want to, um, shout out Nick Walker's podcast. I also wanted to shout out a new podcast that I'm really enjoying with Violetta Pleshakova. She was a guest here on the Sacred Remembering podcast back in season one, I believe. I apologize. I don't know the episode number. Um, and her new podcast is called Another Paradigm. And there was an episode, I think it was episode three, that really sparked some things for me. She did this episode on um, leadership and entrepreneurship. And so if you are an entrepreneur, I really recommend listening. But listen anyway, because Violetta's good. And um, she has invited me to be on her podcast as well. So this sparked a hmm, thought stream, I guess, today around this notion of, you know, we can choose scarcity or we can choose, I'll say, abundance or prosperity. And I think when we are um, these solo entrepreneurs or when we have a business and we want people to, you know, spend money in our business because we enjoy having a livelihood. <laughs> I do. Um, you know, there's this notion that like, if I shout somebody else out, then there won't be enough to go around or something like that. And I really want to just model, um, debunking that. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that at all. And I think that we need to shout each other out and, um, not be in fear that we are going to lose potential clients or lose work or lose opportunity um, if we do that. So on that note, I also want to shout out to Soul Sisters that were here for me in the process that I am about to share with you. And I don't know that I'll share the session details that I had with them. Um, but in the spirit of shouting out women who are doing really amazing soul work and have um, held space for me in a very sacred time recently, I wanted to shout out two women. One is um, Paula Hopwood. You can find her at paulahopwood.ca. I'm not even sure if that's her most recent website, but you can find her there. And um, Paula has some shamanic and challenging, <laughs> challenging, channeling talents um, that I really, really appreciated, benefited from. There was much wisdom in that, and there was a lot of <laughs> really positive information. And so, um, when I recently was healing a part of my body, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, Paula was there and even distance healing. It was amazing. Um, and then, um, Sarah Oakley in the Asheville, North Carolina area, her website is spiral to wholeness. She's also been on the podcast and Sarah held physical space for me in terms of energy healing and, um, massage and integration. Um, when I'll just say what happened, <laughs> what happened was, um, through the, I guess, awakening through the, the process that was Heartland, which was all about creation. Um, a member in the group was in a private session with me and was talking about her IUD and, how her IUD was blocking her and how she'd been doing all of this research about it. And, um, she had had some adverse health, uh, things happen. And she was just like, this is in my womb space and it shouldn't be there. And hers had been there for like 14 months. And as soon as I heard her telling me this, I knew it was a message from spirit to look at myself, check myself because I had had an IUD for a really long time, which I'll actually talk about a little bit more later. But um, that was a real awakening. And I did not even research what <laughs> me negative medical effects or anything like that. I just knew in that moment that I heard her talking about this, that it was a message for me to get that thing the hell out of my body. And so I did that. I did that. I scheduled the appointment and it's been out a few weeks, but Paula and Sarah both held space for me in the 
the healing, the energetic healing, um, all the layers of healing in the womb space. Cause I actually did have like a little damage in there. It was like a little poked and, um, I didn't realize how I was like bracing and protecting that area from this pain of this thing poking into me. Um, and so all that too, I do want to say that thank God for that IUD in some ways, because I think, you know, it served me really well. Um, and, and again, I'll talk about that in terms of fertility and what my journey was and why I believed I needed it and things like that. So no shame in having <laughs> or using, um, IUDs or birth control. I think that no one here would argue that, um, we want reproductive rights in the hands of women right? Um, so this is what today's episode is going to be about. Uh, this morning, Nick Walker <laughs> asks me, Hey, Sarah, what's alive for you right now? And I just dove in and I was like creation consciousness because I just got this IUD out of my body. <laughs> I'm like looking at that now going, wow, Sarah, you really don't hold back. So, um, that's just a segue here into this episode. So I'm going to tell a soul story because what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? I hear that question coming in. So everything that happens in our lives is playing out inside of a great mystery and our souls are evolving, ever evolving. And as we talk about in this podcast, we're remembering these aspects of self that when influences from society, family, religion, all of that have come into our lives and caused us to act or behave a certain way, i.e. getting an IUD, um, that i.e. giving your child away for adoption, you know, those kinds of things that sacrifice potentially your connection to source connection to self when that has happened and we are living life and picking up those pieces reclaiming those soul fragments i would call that soul integration then we are coming back to wholeness and so i'm just sharing a story from my life today that is you know my personal exploration of some of those pieces and some of that reintegration of what has um, transpired. And of course, this is a short version because I'm going to span many, many years. But um, this month is an important month. July is always a very important month for me because this is when my daughter was born. And if you've ever listened to episode one of this podcast that I recorded almost two years ago, um, I talk about how I got pregnant at 18 and that child was adopted. You know, I'm also writing a memoir about this. So it's very, all of these details are very um, fresh in my mind. She turns 21 this month and she turns 21. Her birthday is on um, July 22nd, which is a really sacred day because I found out way later in her life that um, that's also Mary Magdalene's feast day. Okay. So there we have a little like soul synchronicity, right? Right there. So very, very special time for me, but it also is a time of processing and just looking um, inevitably every year. I look at where I am compared to where I was. And for sure, there is a shadow element of that. For a very, very long time, there was a shadow element of that that was very, very strong. And in recent years, there is less shadow and, and more peace um, with this, you know, with everything that transpired nearly 21 years ago, where I believe that I couldn't raise this beautiful child. Um, and you know, it, it's so impacted and affected my life. And again, if you'd like to hear more of that story, go back and listen to episode one. So what I would like to talk about is, oh, and then last week I actually went and, um, paid this child now 21, my child, my first child, and um, her adopted parents, her parents, a visit um, in their home. And it's always been an open adoption. And so thankfully, that has been um, welcome over the years. And, you know, the, the gratitude and the love is really mutual. And um, it really worked out in a really blessed way. Uh, so 
That being said, um, this totally shaped my life, hence writing a memoir about it, right? So, okay. So I'm 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, um, living in the basement of my parents' house because when I went to college, my sister got my bedroom and I'm living in the basement and there's not even a bedroom door. And it was like, okay, Sarah came home pregnant from college. We're going to just put up a twin bed and put her in the basement. So the shame was just so immense. You know, my father was very, very religious. You're not supposed to have sex before you're married. Clearly that was happening. Um, I was a very sensual teenager. I was very, uh, I was questing for my truth. I was rebellious. Um, it was, it was beautiful because I was really activated, um, you know, for the sacred feminine and for the embodiment. I didn't know those words then, but I was rebelling against uh, the church, the religion, the oppression. And I see that young version of me that was doing that. And I'm like, kudos, kid, you really weren't taking it. But by the time I got pregnant and like had to come home from college from 10 hours away, um, had to, you know, just face like small town America, um, being pregnant and really seeing how disappointed my parents were in me. Um, it really took a lot out of me, like soul fragment upon soul fragment, you know, at, at that time. So I did a very, very good job of taking care of that child while I was pregnant. And like, that's what I did. There was so much chaos around me, so much chaos with her, um, you know, biological father and my parents. And, and I was like, fuck, this is a mess. And my head went down and I was like, I'm going to protect this child and I'm going to bring her through. And that was what I did. I lived and breathed every moment of that pregnancy, just attuning to this child. I had to go waitress and I had to go take classes but every like spare minute, I wasn't socializing. I was like in bed, listening, meditating with the child. I was also determined to um, have a natural childbirth. And this is where it's like, hey, instincts, sacred feminine. Yes, you were there all along, right? Because no one in my family was talking about this stuff, but I sought it out. I found books by Ina Mae Gaskin on midwifery and natural childbirth and um, did it. I, I ended up having a natural childbirth. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of details there. But one day I am laying in this twin bed at the bottom of the stairs with no door so I can like hear everything that's going on in my house with parents and dogs and two younger sisters and just like being in my own space as best I could and always attuning and in comes this voice in comes this voice that says her name is Anna Faith this is a really sacred story this this really means a lot to me that I'm sharing this to you her name is Anna Faith now I didn't know what this voice was I didn't know I could channel I didn't know any of this and all I knew was that like faith belonged to my father because the church belonged to my father. I thought religion belonged to my father. And I had already said, I don't want anything to do with that. And so I argued with this voice and I said, faith, are you freaking kidding me? No way. And the voice said, her name is Anna Faith. Because I was looking at names, thinking, you know, maybe I'll name her her middle name. Maybe I'll, like, ask for that. I don't know. Can I do that? Can I not do that? Names are so important. And so the, <laughs> it, was, it was given to me. It was given to me so clearly. And it's interesting because I look back at that younger version of me, and she listened. She listened. It was like, okay, I don't know what that voice is. She didn't even really think so much about what that voice was. It was just truth. Her name is Anna Faith. Okay. All right. So I birth her in the hospital. Um, you know, no one's paying me any respect because they know that this child's going to be adopted. And um, there was one nurse who came to me and said, 
did anyone have you fill out a birth certificate? And I said, no, I, I didn't know anything about that. And she said, for today, this child is yours. Fill out the birth certificate. And so I have a copy of the birth certificate that says Anna Faith. And what ended up happening was um, I did push for a portion of that name to go with her. And so her name um, actually, I'm just going to share that her middle name went with her. Okay. So, uh, um, Anna is her middle name. Anna is her middle name. And so there's this whole metaphor that I'm working with in the memoir about faith being dropped, faith being dropped at that time, because it never dawned on me that the faith was mine to take with me also. Because again, faith had, I didn't understand what faith was. It had belonged to my father. He was so devout in his religion. He was telling me what to believe. I didn't believe it. I knew it was not the whole picture. I knew that women were, and the women and the earth were cut out of that picture. And I didn't want anything to do with that. And what faith did come to mean to me over those months of pregnancy was if you are going to put your child into the world and not know what's happening on a daily basis, you are going to send her <laughs> with quite the team of angels. You are going to send her with all the faith surrounding her in the world. And so I felt that I had a promise from God. I felt that before her adoption. If I hadn't felt that, I would not have placed her for adoption. And I, I did place her. I chose her family and I placed her. And so it was this absolute faith that she would be absolutely okay. And that was like an agreement. That was an agreement with God. And so the child went on. And then what I did was what I was told to do. I went back to college and I tried to make something of myself. And I beat myself up over that loss, that absolute utter lack of self-worth. Um, you know, if I'm not good enough to raise that baby, to have that beautiful baby girl, then I'm shit, essentially. And so I hustled and hustled and hustled to be worthy. And eventually I did. Um, everything was focused on if I can just be enough to have another baby. And so... Um, you know, when my son did come along, that was a absolute gift, an absolute gift, because all I ever wanted to be after that was a mama. So, but I lost faith. And even, you know, through my son's pregnancy, and I'm talking now like 10 years later, I was hustling to get things done. Anything I had in my life, I was either working immensely hard for, you know, you know, primarily in the masculine orientation. It was like I was using my will and my might in order to get anything achieved. And I was trying to achieve all over the place. So I was going and going and going and ended up getting um, pretty sick you know, with adrenal fatigue by the time my child, my second child was, you know, like two years old, I was sick. I was sick. And that was the beginning of my awakening journey. Cause that was about, um, 2012 where, you know, that year where so many of us woke up again and, um, you know, we always have the voice of the sacred in us, but so many of us like clicked back on then if we were asleep and, the, the knowing that, okay, there's more. Okay, there's more. And I called that like my, my sacred remembering moment, right? So a lot of life then happened. I'm not going to give you the whole chronology, but I'm going to stick with this. Um, Anna Faith and some things that were coming back around just recently in Heartland. And Heartland is really about prosperity. It's about um, creating with life force 
in us with these, what I call God sparks. It's like these quantum sparks of feminine and masculine consciousness that are coming together within our bodies, within our light bodies, and it is here for creation. And so we're, I mean, all of, all of life is really made of this. And if we are in the hustle orientation where we think, I have to do, 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 I have to perform, I have to get things done, then we're going to miss out on the magic. And um, I began channeling Grandmother Anna during Heartland, and that was a little bit of a surprise to me because usually I'll get messages here and there, but to be a direct channel with a direct message and and writing it all down, um, you know, that's been... I have, I have, uh, this year been cultivating that in writing, but this was so, so clear. And grandmother Anna was saying, you know, when you're distracted, the miracles are few and far between seemingly. But when you are attuned to this consciousness of creation, of all of these sparks happening around you all of the time, then, then it is all available to you. And, and the miracles are endless. They're constant. They're constant. And so what we were seeing and learning in Heartland, and it's going to make so much sense to you intuitively, is that when we are in performance and um, achievement mode, and think about it in terms of work and earning money or earning resources, you know, we have these orientations of, okay, well, I have to go here. I have to work for so many hours a day. I'm going to get this much in exchange. And then we quantify our worth by that. And we have all these different stories of how we think we need to give of our energy, um, you know, maybe even in a depletion orientation. That was always my thing. It's like, well, I'm going to be depleted anyway. That was my thought. I'm going to be depleted anyway. So I can't really expect to have enough. I mean, I gave away a gorgeous nine pound, three ounce child that came from my body. It was like that loss equaled a depletion imprint in me that just lasted and lasted and lasted. And of course, I've been healing and healing and integrating and integrating um, for a very long time and still continue to do so. But this trip that I went on recently was just really beautiful because it's like, well, you do the work and you do the work and you do the work and then you go back into that, um, you know, I call it like the crucible sometimes or the mirror of the family and you see how much you've done, who you are now and that, that, you know, unit, who you had to be to function in that original unit is just not true anymore. And then that's what ended up happening. And then, and then it just like, oh, this isn't true anymore, right? Um, but it was given the opportunity for that reflection. So anyway, back to Heartland and to Grandmother Anna, I had actually known for a number of years now that that voice that had come to me in the bed when I was 19 years old and told me her name is Anna Faith, that was Anna grandmother of Jesus. Okay. So maybe it wasn't Anna herself, but it was in a scene, potentially Mary Magdalene. Um, the, that's, that's family line. I also believe that that's my lineage. That's the first time I've ever said that out loud. And so that, that imprint was given to me, Anna Faith right? And so as time went on, and then I, you know, learn about Anna, grandmother of Jesus, there's a book that was channeled that's um, very, very established. um, And you can read that. And so when I find these things, I'm like, oh, right. Okay. So that Anna, Anna, that's that. And then faith. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I've lost faith. I don't know what faith is. Right. And, and to this point, 
faith around resources and will I be provided for and will I know how to create? Will I trust myself to create? These are some of the deepest things that I have had to work on. And so here we are in Heartland and it's it's like a I don't like the word manifestation because of all the new age, you know, hoopla and how confused we get with that. And so Heartland is this other codex entirely. And that's what we were working through. But it's a creation codex that's based on you aligning to your central core self, your soul. And that that's the message all along, folks. That was the message of the Essenes. That was the message of Grandmother Anna. That was the message of the Christ. And so as you align more and more and more to your soul and to your soul's journey, that is actually the spark of prosperity. That is where prosperity truly comes from. So if you want to replace the old paradigm, not the oldest, not the ancient, right? Because that's the wisdom, but this patriarchal paradigm of I have to hustle for my income. I have to exchange my energy in this way that's maybe undesirable for me to get this amount of money. What you, if you want to replace that, then what it is, is a journey of stepping into your soul's truth. Did everyone hear that? Did everyone hear that right now? Your soul's alignment is your prosperity. You are your own prosperity. <sighs> okay. So if you want to walk toward that, you don't need to have to, like, you don't have to figure out how to do that today or tomorrow, but you take small steps with that. Okay. I can help. You can, you can reach out. You can keep listening to the podcast. You just take small steps in the direction of the truth that is nudging you along. And when you take those steps, that is when you get closer and closer to true prosperity. And prosperity has more to do with like than the numbers in your bank account. Exactly. It's happiness. It's, um, the, the way it feels to me these days is, um, what do I call it? It's, it's like a cosmic bloom. That's what I'm calling it. The cosmic bloom. It's like the auric field is filling up with a prosperity frequency. You can imagine it like flowers, like peonies that just like open layer upon layer upon layer. And that's what's happening in the auric field. And then, and, and it just like is perpetual. So that's, you know, that's when things are really going well, that I'm feeling that. And it's not circumstantial. It's like something that you can cultivate in meditations um, and, and consciously. If anyone does want to work through Heartland um, in one-on-one -on -one coaching, we can do that too. Okay. You can reach out to me. So here we are in Heartland and Grandmother Anna's coming in with all of this information about um, creation and, and the quantum and the God sparks. <laughs> and, and then there's this like knock, knock, knock. Sarah, you have um, an IUD in your womb space that's made of plastic and copper. Um, hello. You know, and it, it's just outdated for me. If you have one and you need it, that's your truth. You do you like zero judgment. And I really want you to hear that. So for me, when I looked at that and truthfully, I'm still looking at that. Um, but you know, we're always waiting for life to slow down a little bit, but perhaps I'll write about it this weekend. I had the IUD because look at it. My creations were dangerous. My creation, my womb created this child that caused, well, no, she didn't cause the, the action or, or the, the pressure caused so much shame, right? So there's it's like, she's perfect. I got her to the other side. She's good. And then I was left with like, okay, well, that was dangerous. I'm dangerous. My desires are dangerous. Um, look at how I failed. Look at what I'm unworthy of. You know, all of these like very, very, very deep imprints. So 
also then when I was with my husband and our son was two, three years old. And here I am like getting a second master's degree and juggling work and breastfeeding and making all the baby food from scratch. Cause you know, I was trying to get it right after that kind of loss. Right. So I was doing everything I could so well. And I looked at my then husband and I said, listen, if we ever want another baby, I need us to think about that right now because this thing that my body is doing, I can't keep doing this and go climb the career ladder at the same time. Like I need a season of the child rearing and then I need a season of, you know, working or whatever I'm doing, but I can't start and stop this. I just like knew that truth about my body, especially as stressed as I was all the time back then. And so he said, no, I don't want to have another baby in this, you know, time frame. And I said, okay, then I'm getting this IUD. And it just, it just stayed that way because it was like, the thought was, if I have another baby, it's going to be all up to me you know, I was earning most of our family's resources and that continued to, I, I continued to take more of that responsibility on in the marriage. You know, it's definitely in that masculine role in that way. In other ways, I've talked about that before. And so I was just like, it's going to be all up to me. It's going to be all up to me. And you can see that that comes from trauma, right? Like it came from the loss. Okay. I'm going to have to compensate. Okay. It's going to be up to me. So I have to hustle. And I knew that I couldn't do it all on my own and, or I didn't want to, or, or maybe I could have, and I, I, you know, all the beliefs. So I'm not going to pick all that apart right now, but that IUD stayed in there. And then a couple of years ago, I got it replaced and got a new one. And I'm, I didn't get the ones with the hormones and somehow I was like, oh, that's better. Right. That's just, that's fine. And, um, it just stayed in there. And I'm really glad that I did have one other miscarriage, even like with the IUD, I had a miscarriage like on a travel day when I had to go from New York to Washington state. I mean, that's a chapter in the book, right? And so I, I am grateful for the IUD because I can see that what I was doing on the soul journey with men through the, through my divorce and then the subsequent like soulmates and to have a baby would have, um, you know, been a lot of energy on that path. So I am grateful for the IUD, but as far as now in my life, I'm just talking about my story right now, as these codes of creation are coming in, here it is super apparent that I have a device made of plastic and copper that's inside my womb space, completely blocking seeds of creation. Did you hear those words? Seeds of creation. So the masculine is going to be the seed of consciousness, the seed of creation. And so if we want to, let's just use the word manifest or create something or co-create something in the quantum realms with the spirit of God and our soul, we need to be able to accept the seeds of that consciousness, the seeds of like the thought and the divine instruction. And what we called this in Heartland is the heart's desires, the truths of the heart's desires. So when you are connected to your soul, you will know what it is that your heart truly desires, which is often very, very different than our superficial manifestation list. If, if anybody asked me to write like, okay, you win the lottery tomorrow, you got a million bucks, what's your manifestation list? That list would be a little bit different than my heart's desires, probably because, you know, it would be somewhat superficial. Okay. But if we are truly moving along on our co-creative path with the divine, and we are stepping more and more into our soul's truth and our sacred mission and our path, then it's not superficial by any stretch of the imagination. And our deepest wants and desires, I truly believe, 
are exactly what this universe, this God essence wants to give to us. Because the desire is truth. It is the truth of your soul. So you have to clean up the consumption energetic. I've talked about that before. You have to clean up the superficiality of that, right? I believe that's what I want to do. I want to be in integrity with my creations. And I want to co-create with my divine soul essence and with the God sparks, with the seeds of consciousness of creation, which is, you know, divine masculine. So the divine masculine has the the seed of creation, the consciousness, and then it um, gestates in the feminine and that brings it into form. It's that simple, okay? And what Grandmother Anna was saying to me in the channelings was, this was happening all the time. There was no limit to creation back before, you know, before it was taken, before, um, you know, patriarchy. I don't know about taken, but before it was like... uh, pushed under. And she said, you know, why do you think women and the feminine was suppressed? Because this is utter magic. This is the magic of creation. This is, you know, if, if a woman realizes that we can co-create with God, then, then that completely debunks any agenda that patriarchy would have had. We wouldn't have needed to buy into it. Do you see what I'm saying? And so here we are remembering that we do not need to buy into, oh, I have to give myself away in order to receive. Oh, I have to deplete in order to have the bare minimum of what I want. Oh, I have to suffer endlessly in order to have mm, a, a portion of what my heart truly desires. I truly believe that we do not need to do those things. This is a walk. It doesn't happen overnight, but this soul story is a transmission to, hmm, how about implant? No, not implant. I don't like that word. To spread seeds of consciousness here in this space, and then they will, um, you know, percolate and gestate, and you do with them what you will. And so, yes, so I needed the IUD out, and I got it out, and I called on the soul sisters like I was talking about. Actually, um, a couple of them, they came forward and they said, I'd like to hold space for you and for this. And so, so much gratitude for that. Um, there's been beautiful healings. Uh, one evening, I was I was definitely aware that Mother Mary's energy was there. There's been light um like a, the restructuring of the architecture in the womb space. Um, on the summer solstice, I had this amazing dream around the Ra, you know, the sun god, the Egyptian masculine sun god, um, like being inside my womb and kind of making love to me that way. And so I was like, okay, well, um, you know, the, <laughs> the, um, the gods are happy, if you will, or like my soul is happy that this is out. And, um, Um, there is much to celebrate. And so, um, there's one piece that I'm missing right there. Let me pause. Oh, of course, immaculate conception. (laughs) Okay. So think about it. Um, mother Mary, immaculate conception with Yeshua, with Christ, um, Grandmother Anna had immaculate conception with Mary. And so this notion of creating in divine partnership with God is, is not new, is an ancient technology. I cannot pretend to have that down by any means at this point. But this is to say that this is my uh, contemplation, right? This is my contemplation that there is an immense magic in our creative centers. And it also requires women that we're healing the trauma and coming back to wholeness. And for me, this is a walk of feminine and masculine reunification and accepting the the truest frequencies of both. So if I am in um, resonance, with 
the divine mother frequency that you can you can feel that frequency in the um, you know representation of the womb space the nurturer the warmth the holding right and then the divine father the holy father this essence of consciousness that seeds the the um the one that penetrates the one that brings forward the wisdom okay and it's a co-creation it's an absolute co-creation this is happening in me it it is happening in us. It, it can happen in us if we are clearing the space in our heart, clearing the space in our psyche, clearing the space potentially in our womb. It, you know, I, I don't believe that you would have to have your IUD taken out in order to, you know, be experiencing this. I can't possibly say one way or the other. I know it was true for me that like this is part of my journey. I needed that the fuck out of there because of what it represented, because of it representing this like I'm not good enough or I can't, you know, decide for myself what I want to create and I'm going to be perpetually depleted and my creations are not going to come to fruition or come to pass because, you know, they can't be fertilized, they can't be upheld. It's like, it's blocking. You feel that blocking. And then right at this time, I kid you not, it was like the day after I had this removed. I was on Instagram and saw someone repost a portion of what Britney Spears had said in her um, court statement where she was saying that there's an IUD in her body and she can't get it out because she doesn't have the rights to her own body through this, what's it called? I can't remember right now. I'm in the channeling space. Um, whatever that thing is that she has over her. And um, hopefully it, it's, you know, being taken off of her. But she couldn't make a doctor's appointment. She could not decide at 39 years old whether or not to have another baby, to have this creation. And so I actually went and sat and listened to like all 25 minutes of her testimony. It's very powerful. Um, that, that really quieted voice of the feminine, I, I recommend listening to it. Um, you know, not that in my judgment, she doesn't sound all altogether well um but but there is a an eruption from the silence that is really something that i wanted to um just honor uh and so i sat and i listened to that and honored that but yes i mean whew, an iud in her body that she can not or could not remove or choose to remove on her own and so these are very, very deep, um, you know, threads of, of patriarchal influence that I'm referencing here through this story. So let me see. So I think that that is pretty much all I'll say about the, um, about the alchemy, because I'm definitely still, you know, in this inquiry playing with this. I know that it's going to come into the fall in love with the King program because, or I'll say mystery school offering, uh, because we are able to receive that offering from the divine masculine in order for there to be this alchemical creation through us when we are ready to accept and receive the masculine and when we are traumatized um you know i'll say in the way that i was you know in the absence of provision for the baby being blocked from the baby's father i didn't mention that but that was true um you know believing that nothing would provide for me but believing um that i could not provide for myself and that's why I couldn't keep the baby. Like all of those beliefs were in a depletion orientation and therefore a trauma orientation with the masculine. Just even look at what I was doing with God itself, right? My father had God. He called God a man or him. And there was so much distortion in that that I rejected that all. So that is a massive masculine wound. I would say the biggest 
possible masculine wound to say, I denounce the masculine aspect of the Godhead. And so what do we do as women? You know, we reclaim the feminine and our feminine rights. Fuck yes. And that divine feminine sits on that inner throne beside the divine masculine. And so we need both. We need both for creation. We need both for peace of mind. We need both, um, I would say, arguably, in order to be in the soul's truth. Because if we're keeping anything in opposition, then we are not integrated. If we are keeping the masculine in opposition, then we are in separation consciousness. So if we want to be in creation consciousness, that goes hand in hand with unity consciousness. And we need the masculine and the feminine. So fall in love with the king is not about like, find your perfect soulmate or any of that superficial stuff. It is about this healing of the rift between you and the divine essence of the masculine and knowing the masculine and trusting that these seeds of consciousness, that these seeds of provision are going to take root in your life and come into form. Whoa. So if you are interested in fall in love with the king, please reach out to me. We need to have a conversation so that you understand the format of the offering and the soul container and the mystery school, making sure that you want to travel like that. Um, And, you know, this is a great example, actually, of what kind of happens in that group. Like we have these little pieces of story, like, oh, you know, this voice came in, her name was Anna Faith. Then I learned this, then I learned that, then I learned that. I have a culmination here for you in a moment. And we're noticing the soul journey. That is so much of what we do in these groups. We notice the soul journey. What one woman says about her soul journey sparks another remembrance and another woman about her soul journey. And that's how we do it. That's how we come forward. And um, and I'm going to be providing a ton of teachings and, of course, energy activations. And so this will take place over six months. We will meet three weeks of the month, and then we'll have an integration week every month. And it will be deep, and it will be so good. And we're coming back into a true unity frequency where you can truly fall in love with a masculine essence that is provisional, of course, is the Holy Father, of course, and you don't need to fight against life anymore. You don't need to fight against the masculine. You don't need to fight for your provision anymore um, because you are embodying these codes. So doesn't it go to, you know, go figure that at the end of Heartland and, you know, trying to integrate these provisional codes and all I've been given and, um, you know, some things like weren't quite working out, uh, you know, financially or something like things just were like uh, 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 a little stuck. And I was like, where's the momentum? So I felt this incredible resistance to go to this family trip and, and on the family trip, um, I, I don't spend time with my immediate family anymore. Um, because, and let me be clear about that. That's not shadow. That's because it required, um, me to exist in shadow and in, you know, essentially lies (laughs) and I'm just not going to do that anymore. And so, um, that, part of my family. Um, you know, we, we don't, uh, we aren't in touch so much, um, cordial. Yes, but like otherwise not in touch. And so that was just a part of my journey. So who I was getting in together with was, um, my cousin who's incredibly supportive, 10 years older than me, female and her family. And then my maternal grandmother and, um, the maternal grandmother, there is a lot of judgment in my direction, a lot of judgment. Like, I don't understand what you're doing. Why don't you have a job that you go to during the day? Um, you know, all of this, like totally afraid that I'm, I'm going to fail all the time. And so what, what there was, was this imprint of, you know, me from age 19, like this imprint that really wasn't even all mine, it was projected onto me, like Sarah, the failure, Sarah, the, you know, the one who's perpetually trying to figure things out, you know, all that judgment. 
And so I did not want to go on this trip. I didn't want to. I was like, it's a year into a pandemic. I don't want to take vacation to go do this. I want to go do something else. But what was happening was, um, one, I had agreed to drive my grandmother back to her home from the beach in Delaware. And two, I got to see my daughter afterwards. And so I was, um, you know, committed to the trip so that I could spend this, um, day with her. Um, my son and I could spend this day with her. And so the exact area of the resistance, this is rich because I can only see this in hindsight. And I, I want to share this because I know that somebody is going to need to hear this. The exact area of resistance that I was feeling in going into this trip, like I do not want to hear it from my grandmother. I don't want to take the judgment. I don't want to, I don't want this in my life like this. That was the exact area of the soul alchemy. So there was a challenge. Um, I, in that reflection anymore, I, I'm no longer the 19 year old girl or even 29 year old girl or, you know, woman, uh, or those girl aspects were still, um, activated where I felt so much shame for all of these things that I perceived as failure, even though I was, you know, a master's in education, a mother, like all of that. It never was enough, never was enough for my family, really never was enough for me. And I just could simply look at my grandmother and say, please don't continue to judge me in this way. It doesn't feel good. It never felt good. It's not true. And I don't like it. And that's very unusual in my family because, you know, it's just like, oh, well, that's the way it is. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, um, I'm not going to agree to this anymore, uh, passively. And I'm not going to, um, it was like, I'm not going to passively agree that this is who I am by receiving your judgment of me in this way. And so, um, I, I broke the energetic, essentially I broke the energetic and went on to really like, as I drove away after the, the breaking of the energetic, I called all parts of my younger self to myself now. And I was like, come on, I'm taking you home. And she lives one block away from where my parents lived. And so I was like, okay, all parts of me, all soul fragments of me from this time, anything left behind, like get in this car, get in this body. <laughs> and I drove away and I just felt so whole and, um, it was so, so beautiful. And then I went on to, um, meet with my daughter and see her in her home element with her family, which I haven't seen for a few years because she's been at college. And so when I visited her in the past few years, I've visited her at college and I got to see her in her home environment. And if I can say this without crying, it will, um, you know, be another miracle, but the tears are already welling up. I watch her so happy and smiling and chatty and talking and, and in such right relationship with her parents. And I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel any pain of loss. I didn't feel anything but so happy for her and so happy for them. And that might be the first time that might be the first time. And it's in direct correlation to with me clearing the shame around all aspects of, of myself. And I was going to sleep in their house. We were spending the night there before we drove back to North Carolina and I'm looking at their family pictures and I've seen them before. I've been in this house before. I'm very grateful to be trusted as a guest in their home from the time um, she was very young. And I'm looking around and I remember Anna Faith. Whew. Yeah, I'm crying. And I remember in that moment looking around their home, this prayer of faith and how the faith had been, yes, cut out of her name, but it had always existed and it was delivered. It was delivered this, you know, 21 years later, we, it's like, we both got, we both got through, but her life was so 
blessed. Her life was so blessed. She did not have to unpack the, the ancestral traumas, the, the family inheritances from, from my family that I've had to unpack for years and years and years. She didn't have to do that. And she is starting her adulthood so free. She's free. Like, can you really imagine? <laughs> can you imagine a childhood without the trauma? Can you imagine, you know? Wow. Wow, right? And and that, I feel, is what my daughter was graced with. And that promise that I was given as a 19-year-old, um, lying in that single twin bed in the shame, in the basement, you know, <laughs> stuck, you know, like put in the basement because I was a college failure, that kind of thing. Like the promise that that young one was given was delivered. And, and 21 years later, I can just look at that so clearly and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, grandmother, Anna. Thank you, Mary Magdalene. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, all of her guides and her angels and mine too. So, holy moly, that was a deep soul share. (sighs) Thank you, soul family, for being here, for listening to such a thing today. And you know what? There was something that I wanted to read you at the beginning and I forgot. And so I'm going to read you that now. You know, the reason that I tell these soul stories is because maybe someone is touched. Maybe someone needed to remember faith today and this sparked something. Maybe somebody else is crying tears today that just like needed to come out. Um, maybe there's another story of adoption out there that like didn't turn out like that or, you know, just all of the stories, right? We've got our stories We have our voices, whether or not you're putting them out into the world on a podcast where you don't know who's going to listen. I don't know who's going to listen to this. Um, So there's some vulnerability and we're not all ready for that. And, um, and I do it because that's what my soul tells me to do because I've lived so much life (laughs) that, um, you know, there's, there's like nothing left to lose and everything to gain, um, I don't know, it sounded a little down, but it's not. Um, That's not usually a figure of speech that I use, but it's like, this is a part of my mission to give voice to story, to spark soul remembrance, and to invite us all forward because I know that integration is possible. I know that the feminine and masculine want to integrate and want to integrate through you. I know that it is your truth that leads to your prosperity. I know I know how hard it is for so long to not trust the self, to not trust that voice inside that nudges you forward. I know that. I know what it's like to try to achieve based on others' standards and wonder why the fuck am I not enough yet? Why the absolute fuck am I not enough yet? When you lose something like a child and then you follow the formula for success and achievement and you feel so fucking empty inside, it's because there's no other formula than to connect to your truth. And through that we find the heart's truth and the sacred heart and the remembrance of Mother, Father, God in us. That's my path anyway. So all roads lead home and this this integration path is the one that um, I live and that I'm happy to share with you. So what I would like to read to you is actually a testimonial because in the spirit of supporting others' businesses, I would also like to invite you into my space and and support my own. So this is a testament to the kind of work that we're going to be doing in Fall in Love with the King. And here it is. When I met Sarah, I was in a state of COVID-induced deep unraveling after having started my feminine reclamation journey the previous year. My nervous system was fragile, and my relationship with the divine masculine, my inner masculine, and men in general was collapsed. Sarah was a godsend, 
helping me to re-regulate my nervous system, construct better energetic boundaries, and find my own energetic sovereignty, begin to heal my relationship with God, and to rebuild my inner masculine. She did all of this while walking beside me like a true friend and mentor, celebrating my growth with me and helping me gradually see the light at the end of a very, very long tunnel. I feel so much gratitude for the opportunity to work with her. And so I'm sending so much love to this woman because it is my absolute honor and joy to walk this kind of walk alongside you. And so I know that there are women out there um, exactly like this one, exactly like uh, me (laughs) also. And um, I know that this integration is so important and I want to offer that to you in any way that I can and any way that I can be of help. So that is what I'm here for. You can learn more at sarahpoet.com. You can find my free resource of a 77 page ebook. That's all about a women's journey of 10 stages of feminine and masculine reclamation and reunification on the path of being a modern woman that comes to you when you sign up for my email list. Everything is at sarahpoet.com. A lot of blogs, a lot of services. I serve couples. I serve families and teens. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here and so ready for you. So ready to do this deep work. Thank you for sharing in a deep space with me and sending so, so much love to you. And if you'd like to reach out, you can do so Sarah at sarahpoet.com. I love to hear your um, reactions to the podcast. And you know what? You can always rate and review, rate and review this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Also pass it along to a friend, recommend my work. Uh, Word of mouth referrals are what makes the small business go round. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here and so much love. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.